0: Welcome everybody to a Baseball America Podcast. Along with Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. This Baseball America College Podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATechSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt Head Coach Tim Corbin and more on ATEchsports.com. ATEC win Every Practice. Aaron, uh, yesterday's podcast goes into the dustbin of history, the uh, vacuous, not recorded properly dustbin of history here at Baseball America in the podcast nook. Only the uh, books here in the podcast nook and you and I will remember <laughs> what was said in that fabulous podcast yesterday. So it was, I apologize it was a, to you and our listeners.
1: It was a, it was a glorious hour-long podcast, too, that uh, we're not going to go nearly that long today, so we apologize in advance.
0: That's right. Uh, I screwed that up, and I'm sorry. But so we're going to look back at the weekend and look look ahead a little bit more than usual in this abbreviated podcast. But, Aaron, let's just hit on some of the high notes uh, from this weekend. I would say the first high note in the Southeastern Conference was the Kentucky Wildcats uh, going on the road and uh, sweeping a doubleheader on Saturday, winning that series against Arkansas. And I guess for all intents and purposes, I guess the biggest takeaway from this is that Kentucky, if you had any doubts about Kentucky, you should probably eliminate those doubts because this team has now shown that it can go on the road against a top 10 caliber team and win a series and really what else is left for Kentucky to do to prove itself Aaron it seems like the answer is nothing
1: you're exactly right i feel the same way i mean they're they're legit you know oh, and you could continue harboring reservations about them uh you know for for some of the sec schedule i mean sure they swept south carolina okay it's one weekend you know and then they uh, then they go on the road and win two series against Tennessee and Georgia and you know, but those aren't the elite teams in the conference and you know they, they take two or three from Ole Miss. Okay, that's good, but it was at home. And now they've gone on the road and they've beaten a very good talented at least Arkansas team. Um it's the resume is impeccable. This team is really good, they're balanced. We've talked about this before. Um, you know, the one area that I kinda highlighted in three strikes yesterday. Um, that I think is a little bit unsung with Kentucky is how good the bullpen is. You know, we talked about the lineup and the freshmen and you know those those lefties in the rotation. But the lefties in the rotation haven't been as great lately, and the bullpen has really picked them up. You know, they've got some depth back there. They've got a couple of good right-handers, kind of as middle relief uh, bridge type guys with with uh, you know Tim Peterson and now Chandler Shepard, the freshman who's kind of come into his own and uh, good lefty and Alex Phillips. All those guys support Trevor Gott. Um, who's a you know really a shut-down closer at the back, a power guy throwing 95, you know. So, um, and, and it's nice that they don't have to extend Gott like they did last year as a freshman, and I think that took its toll on him as a freshman. He had to go out there and get nine outs. Now he basically gets three outs every time, and, and this past weekend they used him for four. It's first time all year they've had to extend him more than innings. So So um, keeping him fresh, I mean, it's, it's good for everybody.
0: And it feels like the other separator, as we talked about in the Lost podcast yesterday, is that offensively, Kentucky – can get itself back in a game with one swing, and they're second in the Southeastern Conference in league games in home runs. And just a mature lineup that has a a freshman igniter at the top of the lineup in Austin Cousineau, but a lineup that up and down has some, some guys with some thump and some guys who are real threats, where if you make a mistake, they're going to punish you.
1: Exactly right. I think every one of their starters uh, has at least one home run um you know and and they even Kuzinao's got 5 zellers has 4 i mean those are that's as many as, as the entire Fullerton team has you know <laughs> right. i mean it's uh and and they're not, those aren't the leading home runs for hitters for Kentucky i mean Luke Maley and, and Cameron Flynn have nine apiece so yes it's it's a power is a separator and i think especially now um in this this BB core era i think power stands out because not a lot of teams can hit for power now uh, and that's why, you know, a team like, like Florida that can keep itself in games, even when it's pitching is scuffling like it has a little bit the last three weeks, um, you know, the the, the, the Gators can, can win games with the long ball, and so can Kentucky.
0: And LSU is a program in the SEC, and that's usually associated with the long ball. You've talked all year. But there are several, organi- several organizations, several college teams this year that are, I guess the phrase in sports right now is out of character and that you think of UCLA, you think pitching, you think of LSU, you think power, and UCLA is not a pitching team this year. There's an offensive club. Um, LSU, Aaron, some of their bad offensive club, because, you know, they've got some guys who are hitting, but it's not a great offensive club, but really it seems like, uh, they've, they've had the arms. We knew they were going to have good arms this year. But you combine some maturity of Kevin Gossman with some better health for Ryan Eads with the freshman Aaron Nola. Stern, a little new pitching coach, Alan Dunn, who's been mostly in pro ball for most of his career, and it equals the Southeastern Conference's best pitching staff right now. Exactly. I think
1: you know the weekend rotation to me is as good as any in college baseball. I probably would rank it number one because I feel like the the Sunday guy. Not a lot of teams have a Sunday guy who's capable of dominating the way Aaron Nola is. Um, you know, and with Florida's rotation not healthy, I think you got to give the edge to LSU. And I mean, you, you can throw Texas A&M in that mix as well with, with Michael Walker and Ross Stripling and, and Rafael Pineda. But I, I like Nola a little bit more than Stripling. I mean, i rather than Pineda on Sunday, so that's a little separator. But, yeah, it's, it's a great pitching staff. It's going to be a fun series in Lexington. And, uh, you know, I do think LSU is, has certainly improved offensively over the course of the season. And you know, they've got a little spark lately from rb Fields, a junior college transfer from Cyprus, who you know had a bad fall wasn't even really a lock to make this team heading into the the season and uh you know started the year really as a reserve guy and and lately he's he's been in the lineup in center field and he's uh and he's hitting i think he's uh something like 10 for his last 22 and, and really giving them a lift
0: yeah i didn't even intend that to be the the look ahead but what a great series uh lsu at kentucky number four at number three coming up next weekend uh that's a tough one to prognosticate because LSU is the kind of team, Aaron, that it feels like they could beat anybody, but their offense is a little inconsistent. They could have a weekend where you could shut them down and beat them two to one, three to one, those kind of games. Right. So um, that's going to be a tough one. Does LSU have a lot of are they left-handed heavy uh, in the lineup? It feels like they're not. No, I think they're fairly
1: balanced, actually. And, you know, and, and that's that's a good point. I think that uh, you know, maybe Kentucky doesn't match up with them as well as. As it would with, um, you know, with Arkansas, which I think is more left-handed heavy, but or team um, like Florida. I mean, you know, Florida's got Fontana.
0: Sure. I mean, obviously you have Zanino, but Fontana, Johnson, and Tucker stick out to me as you know three of their top hitters are lefty, you know, lefty hitters.
1: Right, and and you look at LSU. Their top hitters. I mean, Ray Frimes and Mason Katz are both right-handed hitters, and you know Austin Nola, um, I believe is also a right-handed. He is a right-handed hitter, and it's you know, Kobe so I mean
0: Jones, uh, Hannah, Tyler Hanover. They got a lot of. Right-handed bat from that lineup.
1: Exactly. So yeah, this seems like on paper, like it's actually a Ty Ross is another one. So it seems like it's it's a pretty good matchup for LSU. Um, you you certainly have to give them an edge in the in the pitching department, especially in the the starting pitching department. Uh, I'd probably give Kentucky the bullpen edge, but um, you know the way Kentucky has pitched lately is a little a little bit. Of a concern, the way, they've, they've, the way that uh, Taylor Rogers and, and Jerry Grundy have, have scuffled just a little bit, they haven't really gone deep into games um, the last couple of weeks, and so um, you could envision LSU going in there and, and shutting down the Wildcats because I think their pitching is capable of shutting down anyone, um, and uh, you know, and, and winning that series.
0: Every time, <coughs> excuse me, every time you say Jerry Grundy, I just want to do a Solomon Grundy impersonation, but I'm ex- exercising <laughs> some restraint. I'm not going to say Jared Grundy smash in my Solomon Grundy voice, so uh, I'm glad to say that the Day of yes. Lost podcast has given me a little restraint. I'm not going <laughs> to act a fool in our limited amount of time, Aaron. Instead, I think
1: you're I'll make, going up,
0: John. I'm trying to, Aaron. I'm trying. Instead, <laughs> I will uh, make a segue from you know, Kentucky, very left-handed, leaning pitching staff, and North Carolina, one of the other stories of the week, and a team that where the matchups really did not go their way against Miami. Very left-handed, heavy pitching staff. Uh, they swept North Carolina last weekend. But now this, this, this most recent weekend, North Carolina goes on the road uh, at Virginia and sweeps the series against a Virginia team that they do have a, a couple left-handers, Kyle Crock out of the bullpen and Silverstein on the weekend. But uh, North Carolina with its own left-hander, Ken Emanuel, going deep on Friday. Uh, another outstanding effort by their Sunday starter, Benton Moss, the freshman who keeps on racking up. It's like every week Benton Moss has six innings, nine strikeouts. Um, but North Carolina yeah. come, bounces back from that uh, Miami sweep, gets back into our top ten at number ten after sweeping the, the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, What's the real North Carolina, the team that uh, is it just a matter of where that, those left-handed matchups, uh, You know, that North Carolina's margin for error offensively is just so slim, or what do you account for getting swept one, one weekend and sweeping the next?
1: I think that certainly is part of it. Miami is really, you know, it's uh, the worst possible matchup for North Carolina, except for maybe Kentucky uh, with those lefties. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, Miami has a lot of good left-handed pitching. Um, you know, certainly Eric Erickson and, and Stephen Ewing, and, um, you know, those guys really jump about as quality left-handed pitchers with good breaking balls and know how to pitch. And, and uh, you know, they can beat a lot of teams, but especially North Carolina that is, is left-handed heavy. They always have, well, they have been for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And that's how they build their teams. And so, you know, they're going to be vulnerable against that kind of a team, but especially without Colin Moran, their best hitter, who is left-handed but can hit anyone. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, you chalk it up as a, as a tough road series without your best player. Um, you know, they they battled in that middle game, but they didn't score a lot of runs in that series. They didn't score a lot of runs in Charlesville either, but they scored enough to win because they got really outstanding pitching um, you know, as you mentioned, the, the starters were very good, and their bullpen has been lights out all year. So interesting series coming up with North Carolina against Georgia Tech, uh, a team that I think is desperate right now. I mean, they're uh, they're probably ninth in the ACC pecking order. I think they've fallen behind uh, Maryland and Wake Forest, and in, in the, uh, those three teams in, in Virginia Tech are all tied at 7-11 in the conference. Um, you know, they four teams for two spots in the ACC tournament, but, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is behind those teams in the RPI. Um, and they're not playing as well as those teams, and right now they're outside the field of 64. So they really need this series.
0: You're looking at Georgia Tech got off to a 10 and 2 start after they swept Rutgers uh, at the end of the first week of March. They are uh, 11 and 15 since then. 11 and 14, I should say. I mean, it's a it's a long time. It's so more than a month here that they've been a below 500 team, not below average. They're below 500, and they've hit. And they don't hit as much, but their 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 injuries in their lineup are less pronounced than their injuries on the mound, where the you know you've had Grimes, you've had Luke Barr both go down. Um, you know, Buck Farmer kinda of carrying that load and he's had a great year this year. Um but really just defensively and just in terms of pitching depth, this team's really struggling. They've really had to, you know, throw a lot of the freshmen into the fire. They've kind of found a guy and, and Alex Cruz has become a real uh, dependable pitcher for them as a two way guy. But, you know, Cole Pitts and Josh Hedinger and some of these freshmen, and, you know, DeAndre Smelter has been banged up. That's a guy probably, had been, probably getting a lot of scholarship money, you know, unless he's a Hope Scholarship yeah. guy. But he's a pretty heralded recruit. It he was a top 100 recruit. When you take a guy yeah. like that and Matt Grimes and Luke Bard, you're not getting any contributions from those guys because of injuries or because they aren't good enough. Uh, that's just going to take a buyout out of any team. And I think that, you know, their issues that we foresaw for them – coming into the year, Aaron, where their infield defense was an issue, and would Chase Butler, Connor Wynn, Mott High, would those guys be good enough? And So far they haven't been good enough. Pretty much, Yeah, the and they're line. fielding
1: 955. They're fielding 955 as a team. That's not going to get it done, uh, when, you know, especially when your pitching staff is struggling. You need to play good defense to pick those guys up, and they haven't been able to do and, it consistently.
0: And to get offense, they're going to play Daniel Palka and Jake Davies, and those guys are first-base DH types, but to get them both in the lineup yeah. sometimes, and one of them is going to be in right field. So you just, you're, you're already sacrificing defense a little bit if you're Georgia Tech. Then you're going to be sacrificing a little bit because Sam Dove, he's a good athlete. He's played the outfield mostly in his career. This year he's in the infield, and he's fine, but he's not a plus defender. But you've got to get his bat in the lineup. So you're already sacrificing defense in some spots. I, I think Georgia Tech's in real trouble. I don't, I don't think good. they're going to make regionals this year. And it's, you know. The
1: schedule looking going forward is, is not easy. Now they're right. at North
0: Carolina, then they've got Clemson at home,
1: which you know, is just as good as Georgia Tech, and neither of those teams is great. Uh, then you've got at Virginia and Miami at home. I mean, it's four tough ACC series remaining, uh, along with the uh, non-conference series against Charlotte. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy, and, and frankly I just don't know if they're good enough to, you know, to, to recover from this.
0: That's a great way to put it. It's not easy, and right now, especially as they're currently constructed, they're probably not good enough to overcome that. So real obstacles in front of the Yellow Jackets. uh, In a very muddled ACC, like we've talked about, Florida State obviously still our number one team, didn't have a great week. Did what they needed to do, won a conference series on the road at Boston College. You'd probably rather see them sweep. You'd rather see them do better in their midweek series against the Gators, but throughout the year, their their midweek one game they play, but how hard to drop a team out of the number one spot when they win their weekend series in the league on the road. Uh, so you yeah. have Florida State, you have North Carolina and Miami tied. Obviously, uh, you know, Miami gets kind of the, the tie break there for having swept the series. But body of work, I think we both feel North Carolina's body of work has been better, correct?
1: Yes, no doubt for me. No and then,
0: doubt. And then NC State's right there uh, at 11-7 and seven in the fourth spot in that league. And the rest of it's really kind of up for grabs. I mean, your guess is as good as mine as who the fifth best team in is going to be in the ACC when it's all said and done. I'm going to guess, Aaron, that your vote there would be Clemson. Mine would be – or would you vote for Virginia? Mine would be Virginia.
1: I would would vote for Virginia also. I think Clemson is pretty flawed. And I don't think Virginia is a great team, but um, I I like them better than Clemson.
0: I think both those teams are not quite as good as we thought they would be. I see a little bit more room Mm. for growth for Virginia. They have pitched well. They really kind of got shut down offensively by North Carolina's pitching this weekend. But, you know, North Carolina's – got the potential to do that to any team. so yeah. Um, yeah. I like the Cavaliers' talent. I think I, we'd both like them a little bit better if Whit Mayberry were in their rotation and not getting ready for Tommy John surgery if he didn't already have it.
1: Right. That's a tough blow.
0: Yeah, it was a big blow for them. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, Aaron, also in our top 25, one of the big movers uh, was Baylor. And I guess you're going to kind of move up the rankings when you win 19 games in a row and you start 15-0 and 0 in, in the league. But It feels like, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Baylor, it does feel like this is as much a product of the weakness of the Big 12 as it is the strength of Baylor. But winning 15 games in a row is 15 games in a row no matter what league you're in.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I had someone ask me in the chat yesterday, Have I ever seen a team get on a roll like like Baylor is? And, yeah, you know, I mean, every year somebody has one of these long winning streaks, you know, whether it's uh, South Carolina at the end of the year last year winning 10 in a row to win the national championship against good NCAA tournament teams. Right. uh, Or if it's, you know, if it's LSU winning 23 straight back in 2008 or, you know, I mean, every year Texas and that incredible long streak that they had, uh, they won. They swept five straight Big 12 series uh, back in, uh, I think, 2010, and it was a much stronger Big 12 then. So, um you know, I I don't think this, this this certainly this is not an unprecedented streak for Baylor, but it's it's a good streak. I mean, hey, you're, they're winning the games in front of them. Uh, they're really taking advantage of a poor Big 12 conference. But that's you know not everybody. Uh, you can't go out and win every single game. It's it's hard to do that. And and they've done it different ways. They've mostly done it with with pitching, but they've you know their bats have been pretty good. And, and especially this past weekend, of course, they took advantage of a offensive conditions in Kansas State and slugged their way past. The Wildcats and a couple of comeback victories there on Sunday. And uh you know, this team we've talked about before. I think they've got some balance. They've got a little bit of power in the middle there. Josh Loody had three home runs on Sunday. Uh they got a walk off or a game winning rather home run from Michael Howard in one of those games, the freshman, his first home run. uh... Um, you know, Max Muncie we know is physical and uh you know, I think it's it's a it's a quality lineup that grinds you up and down and uh you know, it's not, not loaded with prospects, but uh you know, I do think Max Muncy and Logan Vick are prospects. Uh, they're just, you know, maybe not elite guys, but, but Muncy especially can really hit. You know, I think he's, uh, um, you know, and, and Vick, I mean, I, I like both those guys. I think they're talented players, and, and they fit nicely into this lineup. Um, but on the mound, you know, Josh Turley is a guy that, uh, you know, when he came in with with Muncy and Vick three years ago, they were really excited about him. They thought he could be that competitive, you know, Friday guy, the the just left-hander goes out there and grinds you and, and, you know, wears you down. I mean, he can, you know, how locate. He, he mixes speeds and locations. He's not overpowering, but um, they've won all nine of his starts this year, you know, and he's got a 202 ERA, so he's doing something right. And then you got Trent Blank behind him who's 8-0, you know, a 248 ERA, and, and a guy that has really found success this year um, dropping his arm slot down. Uh, it was the idea of, of Trevor Moat, the volunteer assistant to start the year who's kind of moved up and, so the full-time job now that Mitch Thompson is gone and has um, kind of taken ownership over that pitching staff and done a really good job with it.
0: Yeah, they've really they've pitched very well, and that's been a, a trademark, kind of a hallmark of that program over the years. But uh, you know, they've been uh, they're just a little bit more of a grinded-out team now than they uh, than they have been in the past. It feels like a a, le- a more substantive, more more substance than style team, and that's not always been the case really with. Uh, Uh, With Baylor, so I think they deserve credit for for grinding some things out. Um, The other thing, I guess, in the Big 12 we probably should touch on, Aaron, is just the – I guess is Oklahoma back? If anyone – you wrote a couple weeks ago, if anyone was going to be – if the Big 12 was going to have four teams in uh, regional play, we gave a slight edge to to Missouri at that time. But they've Hmm. gotten swept by Baylor and then swept by Oklahoma. So the Tigers are out. But it seems like Oklahoma, with its RPI back in the, excuse me, back in the 60 range, and then uh, you know getting a big win midweek last week against the Arkansas, feels like Oklahoma is getting itself back into the conversation.
1: No question. And in, in, in today's um, stock report, I'm going to have Oklahoma in the field. You know, they actually leapt from number 93 to number 58 in the RPI in the span of a week, um, and you know they've got a very Favorable, I think, easy remaining schedule left with only one series left against a team inside the top 100, and that's home series against Baylor. Which, you know, I mean, if you're going to play Baylor, you know, it's a it's good to have them at home. That's a winnable series for Oklahoma. Uh, but the rest of their games are, are very winnable, and and you know, if they can if they can go 14 and six or, or 16 and four down the stretch, which I think they can, um, they're certainly going to be in the field. I think.
0: Yeah, field of Bill have to. Well, the, those are going to be some RPI killers right. in, yep, their, you're right. in, in so, their schedule.
1: They still have Alabama State coming up this weekend. It's the number 263 team in the RPI for three games. That hurts. And then Kansas is number 170. Um, I mean, these are these are not good RPI games, but they are very winnable games. And if they win them, uh, again, I don't think there's a much of a margin for error, but if they have to win – at least fourteen or fifteen of those, I think, to have a chance. But I think they could easily win sixteen of those.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I just talked to a, a couple of SWAC coaches today, and Alabama State is getting there, but it's not there yet under Merville Melendez. So that's a series they probably should sweep. I don't think there's a question about that. As the baseball, America, and, and if they don't, I think it's really going to hurt them. Uh, it's the Baseball yeah. America podcast with John and Aaron, and of course, Aaron's the guy you really want to hear. Aaron, a couple other t- uh, tidbits from around the country. It's a pretty active week in the big in the Pac-12. We could talk a lot about the Pac-12. We did yesterday. I'll well, silence for yesterday's <laughs> podcast. But Oregon <laughs> into the top ten, Aaron, and the Ducks. They're playing duck baseball, which I just think is always funny to read that they're playing duck baseball. Um, but I guess really, duck baseball this year means they're pitching just enough and they're hitting just enough, and that in the league. Uh, here with the team going and, and winning that series against Stanford, this is a team not to be trifled with in, in conference play. They, I guess they have one series loss, but otherwise they've been pretty consistent all year about dominating on weekends. And then this week, a five game week and they, they won two games in midweek as well. Uh, what do the Ducks owe, uh, what defines Duck baseball this year and why is that, uh, a number eight team in the country?
1: It's, it's pretty remarkable, you know, what they've done. I think with their personnel, because yes, they are an improved offensive team. There's no question about that. You know, they've got a little bit of uh, a muscle in the middle of the lineup now with Aaron Jones and Ryan Healy, and um, you know, and they, and they, again, they grind you out. You know, 1 through 9, they put together a lot of quality at bats, but they're still hitting 258 as a team. You know, so it's it's not a great offensive team by any means, um, but they play really good defense. I love the two guys in the middle. J.J. J. Altabelli is a uh, a uh, fun player to watch at shortstop. He's made that transition from third base very effectively. Got a strong arm. Makes every play. Uh, great player. And then uh, Aaron Payne next to him, former George Horton Bat Boy at Cal State Fullerton. Um, you know, as another kind of, one of those blue collar guys that uh, he's not putting up big numbers or anything, but he's a really solid second baseman. And uh, you know, we all know how important it is to be strong up the middle. Uh, and they are. And of course, you know, on the mound, that that's their strength. Alex Cadell, you know, that crafty senior who. Uh, goes out there and, you know, just knows how to win. Um, again, not overpowering stuff. Jake Reed, the freshman, a guy that I really liked last year coming out of high school in California for the draft, uh, had him in the top 200, and, uh, you know, he's, he's rewarded that. He, he wasn't drafted real good last year because he, he wanted to go to college, uh, but uh, he, he's showing why we, he was regarded so highly by scouts he just, uh, you know, like Cadell, he, he knows how to pitch. He's got advanced feel. but He's got a lot of life on the fastball. Uh, you know, a good three pitch mix. Um, you know, just I think a guy's got a really bright future ahead of him. And and then you know, Brando Tessar has, has been a, a pretty good Sunday guy. He's has struggled the last two weeks, but uh, it's not a it's not a deep bullpen. You know, they really really are relying upon Jimmy Schurfy back there. But you know, they've. They've got some left-handers now too. I mean, that's one one way they're able to beat UCLA. Was able to roll Tommy Thorpe out there, and you know they even used Billy Flamian on the mound a little bit um, when they needed to. I mean, they have got some options. Uh, but uh, it's it's to me the fact that they're they're going in you know and winning midweek games like this, this week. You mentioned beating San Francisco twice midweek. Um, you know, that's that's impressive because this team isn't really constructed to do that. They don't have a lot of pitching depth. We've talked about this before. They had three major injuries early in the year, um, and uh, and it's left them thin. So uh, it's an incredible coaching job. I mean, I I think their their resume right now is worthy of a national seed. After the last three weeks you, at UCLA, at Stanford, sweeping Arizona State at home, I mean that's that's loud. Um, will they keep it up? You know the the schedule going forward. You got Washington State. You got Cal, both at home, both winnable series. Um, you know Gonzaga on the road will actually be a nice challenge. Gonzaga is a, a good ball club. It's uh, heck, they, they're in the hosting discussion right now. And and yep. you know, I mean, it, it's it, the schedule is is probably manageable for Oregon. Um, I, I'm still not necessarily a believer that they're an Omaha team, despite the success that they've had. But they're they're dramatically improved, and it's a great, great story.
0: Yeah, to me, uh, their schedule is pretty great. They've only got only one really big road trip left. I mean, yes, they have to go to Oregon, uh, to Oregon State, and I believe they go to Gonzaga. But in terms of, you know, long road trips where the travel is really going to be a big issue for them. And that's, I think that's a factor when you're talking about a team in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, The only one that you are really looking at that's a problem is is at Arizona and they've already shown they can win on the road. And that, to me, the toughest part of their, of their season is in the past. It doesn't mean that the rest of the season isn't going to be challenging and going to Arizona is tough, but they're tough as roadshow. They just played UCLA and Stanford back to back on the road. It's not going to get a lot tougher than that for Oregon. So I uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I I think you have to look at that uh as a pretty big factor. Who do you like going forward though? U C L A, Oregon, and Arizona tied at the top of the pac twelve. Uh the Bruins just went on the road and won this series at Arizona. Uh if you had to ha- if you're handicapping that league the rest of the way, I'm not discounting Stanford, but at five and seven a little bit further back in the pack, it's only two in the loss column. I understand, but uh, who's your pick going forward uh, to win the Pac-12?
1: Oh man, you know I, somebody asked this in the chat yesterday, and I didn't even know what to say. It, it's just so hard to pick because you know there, there's some good teams at the top, and they're beating each other. And right now, Oregon's is the only team that, that seems Seems to be beating all of them. I mean, Oregon only has one series loss this year, is at Washington. Interestingly enough, but uh, you know, Washington's improved. They 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 don't get swept. They won a game against Stanford, and uh, I think they won a game against Cal. You know, so uh, Washington is, is a better team. But um, at the top of the league, I'm, I'm just kind of dancing around this because I don't want to answer it. Cause I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. I uh, I think all those teams are, are good. And I think they're all flawed too. You know, I'm, I'm picking Oregon just
0: because of the schedule. You know, I really like that schedule for them, Uh, that travel schedule, I think makes a big difference to me. I'm a little bit wary of Arizona because they, while their road trips are manageable at UW, at Cal, at Southern Cal, you know, um, they've really not played a lot away from home. And when they have played away from home, they haven't been great. Uh, They did win the series at Oregon State, but they also didn't sweep Utah. And they split with Rice, and that's the only road game they've played all year. So to me, yeah, that lack of familiarity with the road, I think is going to come back and bite the uh, the Wildcats uh, at season's end.
1: It's, it's possible, it really is. I mean, for me, I'm just concerned about Arizona's pitching depth. Again, the pitching depth issue. I mean, um, they have got two really good starters, and Connor Wade has been a little up and down, actually, but, I mean, he's a nice workhorse guy. Uh, and then James Ferris has scuffled on Sundays, uh, of late, and uh, you know, I, I don't know that they've got the depth to cover their, their shortcomings on the mound, and that's one reason they've struggled a little bit midweek. You know, they they swept they were swept in those two games at home by New Mexico State midweek. Um, they just you know, they lost to Utah Valley midweek last week. Uh, they uh, that's a, that's a little bit of an issue for me, you know, and I like their offense. I think they're athletic. I I think they need to play better defense on the left side of the infield. Uh, they've got experienced upperclassmen over there, Alex Mejia and Seth Mejia-Spreen. They need to make less errors. It's that simple. You know, they they need to be more consistent.
0: Yeah, catch the ball, be efficient on defense. It's a it's easy it's easy to say, it's hard for college teams to do consistently. Which you can agree with it or disagree with it all you want. That's why teams bunt in college. Just I'm just letting you know, they bunt because college teams are not good at defense, and that's right. it's really the bottom line. And uh, you know, it makes. Uh, it makes more sense to bunt at the amateur level than it does at the pro level. I hope people understand that. If you take one takeaway from this podcast, please let that be the takeaway. Um, Aaron, <laughs> a couple of sleepers that are in our top 25. I, I mean national sleepers, Omaha sleepers. I want to touch on both those teams, and we'll wrap up the podcast. First, San Diego, because we've about the we talked about the West Coast Conference. At one point that got lost in yesterday's podcast was the WCC versus the Big West and just how down the Big West is. And how talented and deep the West Coast Conference is. You just did a uh, first off, is San Diego a, a legitimate Omaha threat? And secondly, um, to how many teams will the West Coast Conference get? Slash, should the West Coast Conference get into the regionals?
1: Well, to answer the first question, you know I think San Diego um, is dangerous. I, I like. Um, I think they're, they're balanced. You know, they've got star power, which is something that is, you talk about the Big West, is severely lacking in the Big West. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's very, very encouraging that Dylan Covey now has had three straight very good starts on Sundays. Um, you know, they've got a guy that they like at the top of the rotation with Calvin Drummond, who hasn't been, second year in a row, he's a little, faded a little bit as far as his stuff after a really strong start. But, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a nice Friday guy. You know, he's uh he's experienced now, he's been around. Um and uh, you know, certainly they've they've got uh Paul Sewald in the middle there, a nice left handy left hander who's competitive. Um they've got a good bullpen with a national saves leader and Tyler um uh, Wagner who's who's really a, a power guy and is having a, a fantastic year for them. Um it's so a pretty good fishing staff and, and of course they've got Chris Bryan in the middle, I think one of the best players in college baseball, you know, just a guy who who does everything. Um so you know, and then they're they're really, really much improved offensively. I mean, give Jay Johnson, the hitting coach, some credit. And, um, you know, they've got some depth in that lineup now. And uh, the one concern I have with San Diego is, is the infield defense. It's really been a problem for them. Um, and that's probably why I would say that I don't think they're an Omaha team. Um, I think you got to play good defense against Omaha generally. You know, there's I'm sure there are exceptions here and there. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's a concern and something they're still trying to figure out. But uh, I, I think the, the West Coast Conference gets two teams comfortably in, uh, with San Diego and Gonzaga, and and I think they have a pretty good chance to get a third in as well with Pepperdine, who's still pretty strong in the RPI, had that really nice non-conference schedule, and uh, um, you know they're they're in the middle of the pack in the standings. But if they can make a little bit more headway there, I think they'll be in really good shape for an at-large.
0: And lastly, Purdue, Aaron. I think I know this will be part of, uh, you know, part of your uh, stock report this week. But, you know, Purdue, not necessarily pulling away from the whole league. They still have to go to Nebraska this weekend. That's going to be a challenge. Darren Erstad has the the Huskers playing well and playing tough, playing competitively. But Purdue's kind of taken on all comers, with the exception of the the losses at Wichita State. They've basically done everything you could ask them to do, even a little bit more, such as beating Louisville, um, sweeping series in the road. This weekend they sweep Illinois, which – you know, almost won a regional last year. Was a very competitive team, an athletic team. They're going to Purdue's going to go to UCLA later this year. Uh, how much? How, how good is Purdue? How are they doing this? And how realistic is it that Purdue hosts a regional and and, and you know could be a big Ten, the first Big Ten team to get to Omaha since the you know the Michigan uh, heyday of the mid '80s.
1: I think they're really good. I mean, we we've talked a lot about how good their offense is and we've kind of viewed them as an offensive team. You know, they've got those two mashers in the middle with Cameron Perkins and Kevin Pleweki and you know, Eric Charles is a uh you know, a really dynamic player for them who gets on base and, and makes things happen and um you know, the lineup is deep. They're hitting three twenty five as a team. Um but they've been doing it with pitching lately. You know, the last two weeks or so they've they've won uh what Eight straight games, seven straight games, and they've allowed a run and a half per game during that stretch. You know, and and they've done it without the best arm on the staff, who's out for the year with you know uh, Nick Schreiber with uh, with I believe Tommy John surgery. So um, it's not overpowering guys on the mound, uh, but Joe Hayes is is a you know he's kind of in that uh, Alex Kudel mold. You know, uh, mix and match. You know, competitive veteran right hand hander um not not big stuff and neither does, does lance breedlove but um now they've got a freshman who's kind of stepped forward on sundays with connor podcole um who's who's got probably the best arm out, out of these guys uh, the most upside but uh, the last two weeks he's, he's pitched very well for them on sundays uh i think it's given them a lift and of course you got a, a great power closer at the back with nick, nick whitgren and um some nice pieces in the middle to get to him and uh, i think it's completely Team. I really do. I think they're probably going to host a regional. Uh, they're number 10 in the RPI um, and uh, you know they're, they're really taking care of business in their conference. Um, we know that the committee likes to reward cold weather teams that put together strong resumes with hosts. Uh, they're not going to host, probably almost certainly on campus. They're they're building a new ballpark. It sounds like it's not going to be ready in all likelihood. There's an outside chance, very remote though. Uh, but you know, I think Gary, uh, Indiana, is an option. Uh, I think Fort Wayne Railcats. is an option. There you go, the Railcats. Sorry. So they, they've got some options, and and I think I think they'll I think they'll find a way to host because um, this is a rare opportunity for Purdue baseball, and and I think they have to take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a matter of if not now, when? If not us, who? You know, uh, it really has to be yeah. Purdue for a Big Ten team to host. When's the last? Uh, you say you had Michigan in 2007, came within a, a hair of getting to Omaha, uh, won a regional at Vanderbilt, but, and, and I guess they've hosted a uh, super regional, correct? And they host? Oh, no, they went to Oregon State.
1: Well, it was. It was uh the following year i think it was 2008 they hosted a regional as two seed with arizona as the one up there and, and kentucky as the three was a really tough regional that's right uh and they and they and they had uh i think they had an injury right before that if i recall the one of their, their was a chris Fetter maybe got hurt or Putnam? one that's of their arms it got hurt it I, I may yeah.
0: have also and there may have also been an elbow injury to nate recknagel
1: uh, it was recknagel you're exactly right it was recknagel who was hurt I'm, I'm enjoying anyway, the,
0: all these Midwestern names, um, <laughs> n- none as much as uh, Purdue. I mean, Purdue's team is a cornucopia of great names. I mean, some of the names you just threw out there. Ploiecki is a great name. Angelo Cienfraco is about as good as it gets. Lance Breedlove is just loving the fact that there are all these ridiculous other names on his team, like Nick Whitgren and Connor Podkol. I mean, come on. These are these <laughs> names make, make Quintavious Drains blush. So... Uh,
1: it's, it's, almost, it's almost Baylor-esque, isn't it, with the names?
0: <laughs> it is almost. Well played. It is almost. It, where's Joey Haynes? Joey Haynes further and late 90s uh, Baylor infielder Preston Underdown sneeze at these, uh, at these Purdue names. I don't think you can do much better than Preston Underdown. That's a tremendous name. I think Preston Underdown was required to wear a sweater vest underneath his jersey with a name like Preston Underdown. Uh, although We're getting loopy in the Baseball America podcast it's really like the 98th or 100th minute of the college podcast considering uh, we lost yesterday's podcast but Aaron uh, great stuff we're going to cut the podcast hey. short because we did uh, record all of one yesterday and we have other things to do with our jobs and our lives uh, such as uh, cover college baseball and cover the draft um but we do want to thank everybody for the po- for for listening to the podcast Aaron where will you be this weekend
1: I am going to see uh, Martin Augusta of, of St. Mary's, who's in town uh, um, in San Diego this weekend, and uh, try, try to get a look at Mitch Haniger as well for Cal Poly. Uh, they're they're going to be in my area. So, um, you know, work, working on some draft stuff this time of year, try to, um, you know, see as many Southern California players as I can in addition to the, the usual college responsibilities. So it's uh, it's that time of year.
0: Yeah, and Cal Poly uh, kind of stumbled this weekend in the Big West. We're talking about contrasting them to the West Coast Conference, the Big West, looking like a one, maybe two bid league. Uh, whether Cal Poly can rally or or Long Beach State, which is tied with, uh, Fulton, maybe win the win the the, the league regular season. I'm going to try to get up to uh, to uh, Ryan Johnson's old digs at uh, Wake Forest and see a, kind of a loser goes goes home match on the ACC of Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. We'll see if we can. Uh, Make that happen, but, uh, uh, next week's podcast, we'll do it on a Monday. We'll do it upright. We'll do it long. And we'll remind you that the Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATECH, the baseball training machine company. At ATECH, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECHSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbett and more on ATECHSports.com. ATECH, whenever you practice. For air and fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time.